morning, Peace Church. My name is Pastor Ryan. I'm the lead pastor here at Peace Church. I'm so happy you're here with here. You are here with us here this morning, whether you're here in the worship center, whether you're joining us over in the chapel or online, or you are camping. Either way, today is the day that the Lord has made. So let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Amen, Amen church. Amen, Amen church. Amen. There we go. I got a question for you here this morning. Have you ever heard of the irony of age? You guys know what the irony of age is? When we look at three different things in our life, time, money, and energy, the irony of life is, 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 is when those things come at certain points of our life. The three great points of our life, our childhood, our adult time, our adulthood, and our time of old age. Now, let me show you a, a picture of what we mean by this. The irony of age, the irony of age, time, money, and energy. See, when we're, when we're young, we have time and energy, but we don't have money. When we move to adult age, we've got time, or we don't have time, uh, but we have money and energy. And then when we move into our old age, we've got time and we've got money, but we've got no energy. Now, as I look at my life, and I am firmly in the adult part, I think to myself, if I could have more time, more money, or more energy, it is more time that I wish I could have. I mean, as a, as a working adult, and one of the traps about someone who loves their job is they tend to work too much at it. Ask my family, I do that. I wish I had more time. And I'd say for the vast majority of us in here, uh, in this adult age, uh, we may try to make a joke and be like, no, I don't have any money. You got money. I see the toys you play with. You got money. And we look at this, I wonder, is that all there is? Is it just time, money, and energy? See, for me, there's another box there that's not, that's not represented. And I think that the Bible calls this box peace or contentment, serenity, joy, happiness. Or, and maybe, maybe the irony of age is that we'll have joy, peace, happiness, peace, when, when we have all these three, three things, but we just don't always, we never, we'll never come to a point where we have them all. Maybe that's the irony of age. And if that's what you think, then you don't understand what peace is, and you surely don't understand what the Bible says when it talks about peace. Because what Scripture tells us about peace is that you can have peace at any stage here, no matter what you're missing. And you know what also the Bible says? Is that you can have peace even when you don't have any of these. Because the peace that we have is not tied to any of this. You know, we, we're looking at this book of the Bible through the sermon series called Second Thessalonians. And it's a letter that Paul wrote. It's the second letter he wrote to the Thessalonians. And at the end of this letter, he says to them, I want you to have peace. And you may be thinking to yourself, well, that sounds all fine and dandy. Like, that's a nice way to end a letter. You need to understand the context of the Thessalonians. They were under massive persecution. Their entire city hated the fact that they were a church. They fought against them. They, there was riots against them. And in the midst of this heavy, intense persecution, Paul says, have peace. May the Lord give you peace. In the midst of the world hating them, he wants them to have peace. He says peace can be had and peace 
is coming. That's what we're going to be looking at today, how peace is coming. And in this sermon series, we've been looking at what's to come, that in this letter that Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, he's letting them know about some big things they can expect to happen as history unfolds and as we long for and await the return of Christ. In this series, we've looked at how justice is coming, how rebellion is coming, how glory is coming, and how deliverance is coming. And today, we're going to be looking at both at how we can have peace now, but also there is a peace to come. So hopefully you are in your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians. We're going to look at the last three verses here this morning, but we're going to zero in on one of them. But let's uh, read together 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 16 to 18. Would you please hear the word of the Lord? Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is the sign of the genuineness in every letter of mine. It's the way I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Let's pray and we'll continue. Would you please pray with me? Lord of heaven and earth, Lord, we pray in this day by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit that we'd have the eyes to see, the mind to know, the heart to receive, the spirit to act upon your will for us this morning. And Father, we do pray these things by the power of the Spirit and in, and in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen and amen. If I give you one thing here for you this morning, on this 4th of July weekend, it would be this. Personal peace can be had now, but eternal peace is coming. And to fully understand this and to fully experience this, let's look at three things from just one verse here this morning. We're going to zero in on verse 16. Hopefully you have your Bibles open. Go ahead and look at that again. Let's read it together. May the, no, you don't have to read it. I'll read it for you. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. We're going to zero in on this today as we look at the concept of peace. Three things. Number one, Peace is not produced, it's received. Peace is not produced, it's received. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace. Peace, listen to me, it's a thing, it's a place, it's a jurisdiction, it's a, it's a property, it's a thing to be had. But the problem is, is that in our American, Western, enlightened mind, we think that peace, we don't think about it as a thing, we think about it as the absence of a thing. Like peace is what we have in the absence of conflict or strife. We find ourselves saying things like this. I can have peace in my life when my marriage is no longer on the rocks. I can have peace in my life when I cast out all the negative vibes in my life. I can have peace when my debt is all paid off. I can have peace when I get my healing and no longer have pain. No, 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 no. Peace is not the absence of something. It's the presence of something. It's the thing to be given and to be received. And Jesus here is called, say it with me, the Lord of peace. Isaiah 9, the Old Testament points to Jesus and it says that he is the prince of peace. It goes on to say that his government will be of peace and there will be no end to it. 
that God has made a covenant. That's a binding promise. God has made a covenant of peace with his, peace, with his, people, with his people. So again, peace is not just the cessation of hostilities to truly understand biblical peace, to know the kind of peace that God wants you to have. Well, we have to go to the Old Testament. We have to go back to the Old Testament, to the Jewish understanding of peace. With this word here, shalom. Who here has ever heard of the word shalom before? Would you raise your hand? Okay. Shalom. Shalom is a Hebrew word. It's the Old Testament, Jewish, Hebrew, Israelite understanding of peace. Shalom would have been the understanding, the concept of peace that the New Testament writers were speaking about. And it's not like our Western understanding of peace. Christian Jewish writer Susan Perlman writes it like this. She says, The ancient Hebrew concept of peace rooted in the word shalom meant wholeness, completeness, soundness, health, safety, prosperity, coming with it the implications of permanence. Rabbi Robert Kahn of Texas shows us the difference between our American understanding of peace and the biblical idea of shalom like this. He says, one can dictate peace, but shalom is a mutual agreement. Peace is a temporary pact, but shalom is a permanent agreement. Peace can be negative, the absence of commotion, whereas shalom is positive, the presence of serenity. Peace can be partial, Shalom is whole. Peace can be piecemealed, but shalom is complete. And that's what we're talking about. When we as Christians think about peace, we think about shalom. We need to think about shalom. Turn to your neighbor and say, shalom. Turn to your other neighbor, say, shalom. So back to our idea Peace, shalom, it's not produced within you. It's given to you. It's given to you because that's what Jesus gives and the peace that he makes unends the great strife in our life. And the great strife in our life is the sin in our life that keeps us separated from God, that keeps us in animosity towards God, that keeps God an enemy towards us. That's what sin does in our life. And Jesus comes and he uproots that sin and he takes the punishment that our sins deserve. And because he does that, we can have peace, shalom with God again. And when we have shalom with God, well, that infects and goes everywhere in our lives. This is why scripture says in Philippians 4 verse 7 that the peace that we have as Christians It says, it's the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. And this peace will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the only way to have true peace and shalom in our lives. But church, you have to understand, whether you're a Christian here or not, you need to understand this, how different the biblical idea of shalom is versus the prevailing thought of peace in our world. See, in our world and in our culture, the self, 
The self is the highest power and the highest good. And that in order to achieve the highest ideal, we must look inward into ourselves. That in ourselves, we hold the power to the universe. That in ourselves, we we must look into ourselves to know who we truly are. And by doing that, that is how we have peace. The world says you can only have peace by looking inward. I'm here to tell you that is woefully misguided and a very dangerous philosophy for people to adopt. And you see it happening all over, which is why even though people are more and more adopting this philosophy, depression and suicide are on the rise. Because it's a lie that people are believing and they're looking to themselves for a peace that they cannot have because it's not produced within you. It must be received. And there was a recent conversation that happened that I think just put this notion on beautiful display. And it came, other, uh, came from none, none other than uh, my man, Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson asked Sadhguru a question. Now, who's Sadhguru? Sadhguru is a man who is famous worldwide. He's an Indian guru. And, and he talks about spirituality, and people will gather in the multitudes to listen to this man speak, and they'll stand in line for crazy amounts of time to be able to ask him questions and hear what he says about life and wisdom and morality and spirituality. Well, in 2020, that wonderful year that it was, you guys remember that um, the world was just clamped down with COVID and all the restrictions and everything going on there. Well, in the midst of that, Sadhguru actually did a, a motorcycle bike tour going around speaking about spirituality. And Mike Tyson asked him a question. Now, due to the COVID restrictions, it had to be online. But I want to show you this conversation that happened. If we could, we could roll tape. Hey, Sadhguru, it's me, Mike. And I had a question to ask you. I was wondering, the year 2020, with all this, you know, I mean, diversity and division and just all the controversy with the coronavirus, how do you think um, we're going to receive any peace from this um, crisis? About peace, about peace, we must understand peace will not happen in America, Africa, India, anywhere. Peace can only happen within us. If we are expecting outside situations will be all wonderful for us, no, any time they can turn around, as you see right now, but outside situation is not the real thing. What's happening within us is the real thing. And we can ensure that what happens within us happens the way we want it. All this is possible within the human being, if only we are willing to turn around and do what is needed within ourselves. Now, did you, did you catch the, the essence of this conversation? In a world of turmoil, how do you have peace? And, and one thing I would say, I, the guru is right that you're not going to find peace by looking to the world. I, I completely agree with that. But then he says that you need to look within yourself to find peace. And that's where the Bible and myself, that's where we disagree. I have looked into my own soul to try to find peace before I was a Christian. I have looked into my own soul, and I'm going to tell you right now, there is only turmoil and strife and darkness. And if you're honest with yourself, the same goes for you. It's not to be produced 
within us. It's to be received, not from the world, but from Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace. Again, Christian Jewish writer Susan Perlman, she writes this, We diminish the possibility of peace in our lives because we diminish the one who has the power to give it to us. That is exactly what's happening in America right now. We we do not want God. We want the peace that God has, but we diminish God in our lives, and we wonder why we don't then have peace. The one who can give it to us is Jesus, the Lord of peace, who himself is our shalom. No, 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 no. Peace cannot be found within you like it's some sort of hidden gem that you just need to look and find and discover. I'm telling you right now, that will be an endless journey. And at best, you will just have a pacified life. You will not have peace. You will not have shalom. This is exactly why drugs are so popular. Drugs give us the appearance and the feeling of peace and serenity. A feeling of escape when we are high but it wears off. And then what do you do? You got to go back. And it wears off and you got to go back. And that's what drugs do for us. So if it's not within us, but it's only given from Christ, well then do we need to build a better life so we can receive this peace? Or do we need to build a better life so that we can maintain this peace once we have it? Well, this leads to the second part of our verse. Peace is not produced It's received. And number two, peace is not circumstantial. It's transcendent. We are to have peace at all times in every way. When God gives us peace, what the Bible's telling us is that we can have it no matter what, no matter when. Why? Because peace does not come from our circumstances. It transcends our circumstances. Did you know that I have the spiritual gift of cynicism? I, I feel bad for any pastor who I have to listen to because I, my spiritual gift is cynicism. And oftentimes when I listen to pastors preach, my judgmental spirit says, you are avoiding the hard question. And I did not become a Christian because I avoided the hard questions. I sat there listening to pastors and preachers, and I was like, you give me all this niceties, but you're not asking the hard questions. I want to know the hard questions. I want someone to ask the hard questions, and I want to know, is there an answer to those hard questions? And if I was sitting where you are right now, listening to me speak, do you want to know exactly what my cynical mind would be saying? This is what my cynical mind would be saying. Okay, pastor, you're saying that we can have peace at all times and in every way, huh? In Jesus, we can have peace at all times and in every way. Oh, that's real nice, pastor. What about the people in Ukraine? Can they have peace right now at all times and in every way? What do you say to that, pastor? Oh, at all times and in every way, huh, pastor? Now, listen, I know there are children in the services because of the summertime, so I'll keep this next part PG PG and under. But I'd also be thinking, what about the woman while she's being sexually assaulted? In the midst of that act, pastor, are you telling me she can have peace at all times and in every way? These are the questions that I asked before I became a Christian. And it, probably the reason it took me 18 years is because I couldn't find anyone who's going to answer those for me. 
until I turn to Jesus, until I turn to him, and he was the only one who could give me grace-based absolute answers. There's nobody else, not Sadhguru, not some online influencer. It was only him. He was willing to confront the hardest questions that you could possibly ask, and at Peace Church, we're going to ask those questions. And so when we think about this, this, this bold claim to have peace at all times and in every way, that, that our peace is not circumstantial, it's transcendent, how do we answer then this to people in the midst of, of extreme trauma, sexual abuse, war, and suffering? I'm going to give you three things, but I'll be the first one to say black and white answers on a keynote presentation probably aren't going to speak to the human heart. So I hope this is the truth that takes root and grows in our soul. First thing I'd say is this. Peace doesn't mean we are immune to the evil in the world. Peace does not mean we are immune to the evil in the world. The Apostle Paul is the one who wrote this letter, and in another letter, he talks about all of the beatings and the pain that he has taken for the faith. Or we just look to our Savior himself, Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, who was tortured and killed. Did he have peace in his most horrendous moments? See, the peace that we have is one that transcends our circumstances and the events of our lives. That even in the moment of tragedy, when it feels like our peace is robbed from us, in this momentary pain that we call life, we need to understand that even though our pain may feel like it outweighs our peace, the peace that we have in Christ outlasts our pain. It transcends our pain. And this is the beautiful truth that we have in Jesus, the pain that he has taken for us on the cross guarantees that we will have a peace that transcends our own pain. Even if that pain is lifelong and constant, we can still have peace because we know that peace is coming. So let me also say this. Peace doesn't mean that we are passive to the injustice in the world. Peace doesn't mean that we are, in, uh, that we are passive to the injustice in the world. We are called to fight against injustice. We don't just roll over and take it because we are people of peace. We don't just take the abuse and the injustice that we have because we are meant to be kind people. We stand and fight against injustice as we participate in God making it on earth as it is in heaven. So when we see injustice, because we want to promote peace in this world, we will fight against that. And third, let me just wrap up and say this. While we have a personal peace now, we still long for the eternal peace that is to come. The pain and brokenness in this world should make us cry out all the more, come, Lord Jesus, come. We know that for whatever tragedy and trauma that we experience in this life, that Christ is coming to make all things new. That Jesus will bring justice to the evildoer as he ushers in his shalom so that all will be as it's meant to be. I think this is all pointing somewhere The fact that it's not how it's meant to be should show you that there is a way it's meant to be, and that's what Jesus will come and bring with him. And this gives us faith. Our faith gives us peace for now. 
And the hope that we have in Jesus reminds us of the peace that is to come. That the peace we have is transcendent. And yes, that makes it a peace that surpasses understanding. I want you to hear this. While we have a peace that surpasses understanding, it doesn't surpass our experience. You can still experience this peace in Jesus that does not make sense to the watching world. Because our peace is transcendent. And, remind, and I want to remind you, Paul tells this to the Thessalonians. He tells them to have peace at all times and in every way while the city around them wanted to kill them. We can still have peace. Because lastly, peace is not a perspective. It's a person. The Lord be with you all. Thessalonians, you know how you can have peace when the world wants to kill you? It's because you can stand in the presence of Jesus. The presence of the Lord is how we have the presence of peace. The Lord of peace himself, Jesus, is our shalom. Colossians 3 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That means dominate your hearts. Ephesians 2 says, for he himself, Jesus, is our peace. And listen to what Jesus Christ himself says. In John 14, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. So do not let your hearts be troubled, and neither let them be afraid. And as we think about Jesus being our peace, and we think about knowing Jesus to know peace, I'm pretty sure you've probably all seen this really, in my mind, corny, this really corny bumper sticker. You guys ever seen this sticker here? No Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. So, so corny. But so, so true. If you do not have Christ, you do not have peace. You may be pacified, but you don't know what peace is until you know the prince of peace, whose kingdom is peace, and he invites you into it. That's when you know peace, is when you know Jesus. So here's the question I have for you this morning. Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know the Lord of peace? Because Jesus gives us shalom, not just serenity, not just quietness. He gives us shalom, peace, and not just any old peace, but peace with God. Peace with God. And when we have peace with our creator and our maker, then we can have peace anywhere. Jesus is the one who brings us peace. I want to read to you one of my most favorite quotes from C.S. Lewis. This one really speaks to my soul. This was a verse, uh, not a verse, but this was a a quote that God really used to lead me to Jesus. C.S. Lewis wrote, If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical, logical explanation is that I was made for another world. We were made for another world to be otherworldly, and that otherworldliness is meant to be with God, with him in his kingdom. And Jesus, who he himself is our peace, he brings us back to God, and he does this through his death on the cross. Because on the cross, Jesus takes the punishment for our sins. 
That's what's keeping us from God. Jesus removes our sin so there's no barrier between us and God. Because our sin is a crime of our actions. It's a condition of our heart. And Jesus on the cross makes us new. And God in his mercy towards us, he takes our sin and he places it on Jesus. And then he nails him to the cross and watches him die as our sin dies with him. And our sin stayed in the grave, but Jesus, praise be to God, didn't. In the greatest historical moment the world has ever known, Jesus rose again. And because of that fact, because of that historical moment, we can have peace. Peace with God, and yes, that means peace within ourselves. But it's not produced within us, it's given to us. And as we're about to take communion, we're going to be reminded of that fact that the peace that we have is received And as we receive the elements, that's like receiving peace through faith in Jesus. So would you bow your heads as we turn our minds to communion? Bow your heads and please pray with me. Father God, we thank you, Lord, that we yet again get to come together as your people and celebrate what Jesus has done for us. Father, as we, as, you, as your people, as we partake in communion, Father, would you, by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit, would you fill us again with the knowledge of your grace, with the experience of your love, with your shalom. Father, remind us again by communion what Christ has done for us. Father, and by communion, would you nourish us that we might live for you all the more. Lord, we do love you and we do thank you. We pray these things by the power of the Spirit and in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen.